So we've been talking about the one true God the past couple of Sunday nights we've been together. And I shared with you two weeks ago this basic idea, and this is what the Bible teaches, that there is only one true God. There's a lot of gods that people serve, but there's only one who is living and one who is true. And we believe that this one God is eternally existent. That means he has been forever and he will be forever. He's always been there and he always will be there. That is, nothing and no one created him, and nothing can or will ever end him. He's eternally existent in three persons. God the Father, see if you remember this, God the Son, and God the, the Holy Spirit. And we're going to talk about this third person of the Trinity, who is God, the Holy Spirit. And keep in mind, we don't serve three gods, we serve one God, existent in three persons. You say, Jake, how do you explain that? I don't really have a good way to do it. Because God is so far beyond anything we could possibly comprehend with our finite minds, it's impossible to describe how infinite and great and glorious He is. There's been lots of ways people have tried to describe the Trinity over the years or to define it. There's been folks that have used different kinds of analogies before. Maybe you've seen some of these things. I'm going to share a few of them with you. Uh, somebody takes water, right? And they hold up a glass of water, a pitcher of water, and they, they say, what is this? It's water, right? But water can exist as a solid. When it's frozen, it becomes ice. All right, good. Just making sure you guys know that. If you didn't know that, water freezes and turns to ice. It's really cool. All right, you guys know that. Ice. Or it can exist as a liquid. We refer to that as, as water. Or it can exist as a gas, right? And when it does that, if you've ever boiled water before and you've seen the steam rise up, you see vapor from the water, right? Water is water in all of those forms, whether it's solid, liquid, or gas. But here's the thing. Man, water can't be solid and liquid and gas all at the same time, at least the same molecules. But God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are always God all the time. Simultaneously, I mean, there's nothing that makes one of them stop being God and another one of them start being God. There's, they're always there. Our God is eternally existent in three persons. Maybe some of you have seen this one before. Somebody will take an egg or an apple, and they'll hold up the, the egg or the apple, and they'll show you how this egg or this apple is made up of three parts, right? So in the, the apple, you've got the core where the seeds are, and then you've got the flesh of the fruit, the good stuff that you eat. By the way, Granny Smith are, are the only kind of apples that, are, that you should eat. They're the best ones. And then, there we go. I got an amen out of there, right? And then you've got the peeling, right? The skin on the outside of it. And same thing kind of with an egg, you know? So you've got inside the egg, you have the, the yellow yolk, which is the best part, by the way. You need to know that, too. And then you've got the white, and then you've got the shell, and yeah, that might kind of help some people understand or explain the Trinity, but again, it's not that God is like sliced up in three parts, like it takes the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to, to make up God. I mean, if you just pull out an egg yolk, you got an egg yolk, you don't have an egg. But yet when you see Jesus in the New Testament, 
Jesus himself says, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. And Jesus, in fact, as he's telling his disciples, his followers, to abide with him and to follow him and to remain in him, you find that walking with Jesus is virtually the same thing as living in the Spirit. One God, eternally existent in three persons. So, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around, but it's nonetheless true. Just because we don't understand something doesn't mean it's not true. And in fact, if God is beyond our understanding, that just proves the point that he is God. I mean, if we could understand everything about him and explain him, then he wouldn't really be the sovereign creator, sustainer, and king of the universe. He is far above us. And in John chapter 16, Jesus talks about God the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is telling his disciples about who the Holy Spirit is, and this is before Jesus was crucified on the cross, and so before he rose again and before he went back up into heaven. And here's what he told his disciples in John chapter 16. Verse 5 says, But now I am going to him who sent me. That is, I'm going back to my Father. He sent me here. And none of you ask, Where are you going? But because I've said these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. This helper is the Holy Spirit. And so this is the first thing that you need to know about the Holy Spirit, according to what Jesus is teaching. The Holy Spirit is here to help you. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Maybe you heard it explained when you became a Christian that you needed to ask Jesus into your heart. What happens is you let Jesus become the king of your life and the Holy Spirit takes up residence inside your spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you to help you, to help you know what sin is, to help you know what truth is, to help you know what direction to go with your life. The Holy Spirit is there to help you and Jesus told his disciples it's good if I go away from earth and go back to heaven so that you can have the Holy Spirit. And we don't think that way a lot of times. A lot of times this is how I think. Man, if Jesus was just right here standing next to me on the stage, wouldn't that be awesome? You guys could see him. I could put my arm around him. I could ask him a question. He'd hear me and respond to me if I needed to know something. But what we find out from Jesus' teaching is this. It was better for Jesus to send the Holy Spirit than for him to remain on this earth. That's pretty awesome. Because the thing about Jesus living on this earth with his disciples is that he was there with his disciples all the time. But the thing about the Holy Spirit is he is there inside of us, living in our hearts all of the time if we've trusted Jesus to forgive our sins. He's there to help us. And here's how he helps us. Jesus goes on to explain in verse 8. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That is, he'll show the world what's wrong. He'll show the world what's right. And he'll help the world realize the consequences of the actions that they perform and the choices that they make. He convicts because of sin 
because they don't believe in Jesus. Have you ever been sitting maybe at a church service before, or maybe at One Life, or maybe at a camp, and you don't know any other way to describe it than it's like God is speaking to your heart? And sometimes it almost feels like there's like a, a spiritual knife that he gets out and he just like digs into your chest and he shows you, man, there's some sin in your life and you need to confess it and get it right. Anybody ever felt like that before? It's kind of a weird feeling to explain or describe, but this is the Holy Spirit convicting us of sin. It's not just a preacher putting a guilt trip on you. It's God actually working in your heart and in your life. And when the Lord does that, he's beginning to help you understand that you are a sinner and what you've done is wrong. And then verse 10 says that he convicts concerning righteousness because he goes to the Father and you no longer see me. Jesus would leave the earth after he was crucified and rose again. He'd go back up to heaven to be with his Father. So when Jesus left, do you think that the disciples had an answer to every single question they ever wanted to know about God? No. In fact, they left and they still had a lot of questions. They still had a lot of things to figure out. They didn't know everything. So who would be there? It's not like they could go up to Jesus and ask him their questions anymore. What would they have to do? They'd have to pray. And when they prayed... They would receive an answer because the Holy Spirit was there living within them to give them an answer. That is, the Holy Spirit would help them know the right thing to do so that they could do it. So when you're sitting in one of those services and man, you, you felt like God is just really dealing with your heart, it feels like there's a weight or a burden there, maybe like a knife in your chest, and you know you need to do something about it, what do you do about it? You just ask God, God... What are you doing? And he'll show you. The Holy Spirit will point out sin in your life, sins that you need to confess, very specific ones. And a lot of times he'll point out the fact that a person hasn't just sinned, but that they are a sinner, especially those who haven't been saved yet, those who haven't come to know Jesus as Lord of their life. He'll show you just how awful you are in your heart because of the evil and the wickedness that's there. But then he'll help you know to confess your sin to the Lord. I mean, stop and think about this. God already knows the bad that you've done. He just wants you to tell him and confess it and get it out in the open so he can forgive you. So the Holy Spirit doesn't just convict of sin, he also convicts of righteousness because Jesus was no longer there with his disciples. The Holy Spirit is with us now to help us see what's right. And he convicts concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged man you guys need to hear this there is right and there is wrong a lot of people in our day and time say well yeah kind of gray areas look with God there's righteousness and truth he wants us to do the right thing he wants us to live in the truth and he wants us to see he wants us to step into the light, step out of the darkness of sin that's in our life and in the world around us. And the Holy Spirit has been given to us to help us realize the consequences of our choices and actions, whether good or bad. When Jesus Christ died on the cross for the sins of the world, he didn't just take upon our sin to set us free. He did that, but he also defeated the great enemy 
of mankind. The devil, Satan, the accuser, the slanderer, the one who tempts us, the one who accuses us. Jesus defeated him when he died on the cross. And the Holy Spirit has been given to Christians as a seal of redemption so that you're no longer bound under the clutches and grasp of Satan. The ruler of the world has already been judged. There's no way Satan can win at this point. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of that fact. Jesus told his disciples, I have many more things to say to you now, but you cannot bear them. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. Now this is the second big thing we find out about the Holy Spirit. He's not just there to help us. He's also the spirit of truth. All the time, no matter what. Have you ever just have you ever met somebody that just speaks their mind all the time? Just like they're cursed with honesty. You know what I'm talking about? Somebody that just says the truth, whether you like it or not. You might think, man, that'd be a great thing if, if I had a friend that never lied to me. But would it really be that great of a thing? Right? You're hanging out with your buddy, and all of a sudden he looks over and says, Man, that's annoying. I wish you'd stop that be pretty tough to hear wouldn't it but i think about this i we've got uh, we got some uh we have some kids at my house and one of them a couple years ago we were out to eat at adriana's a mexican restaurant here in town and um there's a guy that came up to our table that uh we were talking to and uh one of one of our kids called him big and fat and this guy was big i mean i couldn't really you know get on to him because he was he was saying what was fact and what was reality but at the same time it was like man you can't can't really do that is this what Jesus means when he's talking about the spirit of truth being there I think yes and no and here's why the Holy Spirit is not afraid to point out anything that you need to see and you need to know that he loves you that much to deal with you in reality the things that are annoying the things that break God's heart, the habitual sins that you keep committing over and over again in your life, the Holy Spirit is not afraid to come into your life and touch you and deal with those things and deal with you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't do that because he doesn't care about you. He does those things because he loves you. And that's probably the big difference between a friend who just has no filter and always says what they're thinking and the Holy Spirit because he's always speaking in truth and he always loves you did you know that did you know that the Holy Spirit convicts you of sin because he loves you he convicts you of righteousness because he loves you he shows you God's judgment of right and wrong because he loves you he guides you into the truth because he loves you now, this is something amazing if you're ever tempted to believe or to think or to question man does God really love me if you're a Christian there's no reason to ever doubt when you do doubt you have somebody who can anchor you he lives inside of you he's the Holy Spirit 
when you do question, he's there to answer. He's the promise of Jesus who's come to live inside of your heart and of your life. The Holy Spirit is God. Now let this sink in deep. That same God that I started talking to you about at the beginning of tonight that we can't even understand or describe because he's so big and so great and so powerful and so mighty. If you are a Christian, that same God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. What's your relationship with him like? What sin is he convicting you of that you need to confess? What is he asking you to do that you haven't been doing, that you just need to give up and yield to God and say, all right, Holy Spirit, I know you want me to talk to my friend at school tomorrow and invite them to church. Man, I don't know if I really want to do this, but I know you want me to, so give me the words to say. Help me to do it. The Holy Spirit is living in you if you're a Christian. If he's not, he wants to live inside of you because he wants to guide you in the truth. He wants to help you understand this great, one, true, living God. Bow your heads with me. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father God, we thank you so much for this night. We thank you for allowing us to come here and worship you. God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins and to rise again. And Lord, we also thank you for your Holy Spirit, the one who lives inside of those who have confessed Jesus as Lord. And I pray that tonight, that those who don't have the Holy Spirit living in them because they aren't yet Christians. God, that the Spirit would work to convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment so that they come to know you, the one true God. And Lord, I pray for those who do know Christ in this room and who do have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that they would know more and more every day how much you love them and what you want them to do sin that you need them to confess, commands that you ask them to obey as they keep in step with the Holy Spirit, as they read your word, as they pray. Lord, may you give them understanding. May the one who lives inside of them remind them of the life that they have in the name of Jesus. And it's in that name that we pray. Amen.